Welcome back to Thinking About It. I'm here with Dr. Dave Barker, who's sitting in our studio uh, looking very casual. Dave, uh, why, why the look? <laughs> well, uh, I don't have a meeting till this afternoon, so um, mm-hmm. I'm going to wait to get cleaned up for my meeting this afternoon at 3 o'clock. Cleaned up from what? Well, I just got back from uh, a weekend in Banff, hiking with my kids in Banff. We just got back last night. And I have five adult kids, um, married with kids. But uh, yeah, on the on kind of a whim of my daughter, Kristen, who many of you know, uh, she said, let's go to Banff and do some hiking. And then next thing you know, the other four kids were coming along. We just had a wonderful time over the last few days. That's awesome. All five of the kids in one place at the same time. Yeah, and hiking in Banff. And it was good. Well, there you're was blessed. Some, there were some challenging hikes that we went on. It was great. Your children have risen up and called you blessed. Yes. And yes, yes, they <laughs> have they called you, you blessed. Out. So, Dave, we are going to talk about something that I think relates to every leader in the church. Every church is concerned with evangelism. I was having a chat with a friend recently who said, in his opinion, it seems that we don't take responsibility in our evangelism for the soil of the four soils. There's a hard soil uh, that is impervious to the seed of the gospel. And he's asking the question, why is that? Um, we all love the tilled soil, and we love those encounters where people are just ready to be saved. Uh, but what about uh, people whose hearts aren't there? In our evangelistic strategy, um, do we feel responsible for um, tilling that soil and uh, engaging in a kind of a pre-evangelism? And so that's that was the question that he raised, and and I hadn't thought too much about that. I, I'd like to think that evangelism is, here's the gospel. Are you ready to receive it now? Because uh, I'm all about talking to those kind of people. But maybe evangelism needs to think uh, more holistically about um, tilling the soil as well as um, reaping a harvest. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I, I think relationships are really important. And I think I, I, in in our previous conversation, we use the word discipleship. Is there kind of a pre-discipleship or a discipleship that goes on before evangelism? And whether you want to call it discipleship or relationship or trust building or things like that, I think in many, many cases that plays a huge role. And it was interesting because my mom came to faith through Billy Graham and the classic just as I am, went to a Billy Graham crusade, went forward, received Christ. But she went at the invitation of her husband's, my father's sister. And my Aunt Jean took my mom to the Billy Graham crusade. And my mom thought the world of my Aunt Jean. So while my mom... Uh, received Christ in that classic Billy Graham, just as I am moment, there was a relationship that had been built with her sister-in-law mm-hmm. um, in, in, uh, in being willing to accept that invitation and go there and hear what Billy Graham had to say. So in, when you have that relationship, then you've got an opportunity to till the soil. If you trust someone then you, you let them poke and prod and in, in tilting the soil. 
In that case, it was just the relationship that brought your mother to Billy Graham who did the rest. Exactly, yes. And we can assume that somehow the heart of your mother was prepared, the soil was prepared. Yes. Didn't involve your aunt necessarily. But the question is, should it? Should we imagine not only building relationships, but using those relationships over the long haul to just prepare hearts for the gospel, which may come years later. Yeah, and um, again, another story. Um, uh, a young man, uh, well, yeah, younger man in, in the church that I was pastoring in London uh, worked with uh, a family a business in, in, the, in the church, uh, a family in the church, and he had worked with this, worked in this family for 10 years. And everybody in the whole business was a believer except him. And, but they, they loved him, loved on him, treated him well and that kind of thing. And <laughs> it was interesting because then he started coming to church. His wife became a believer, started attending church, never missed a service, even got involved in some ways, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. I think he actually did some ushering. Um, (laughs) anyhow, and he just became, and he became a very good friend of mine. And then one day he called me up and uh, said, I'll meet you at Tim Hortons. I said, okay. So I got there and he sat down, we each had a coffee and then said, it's time to get saved. (laughs) You're kidding. He used those words? He said that. Exactly. It's time to get saved. And I said, oh, okay. Like, here and now? No, 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 not in Tim Hortons. <laughs> in your office. Oh, okay. Uh, like, now? No, 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 I got to go back to work. I'll meet you tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. I'm going to get saved then. And I'm going to get saved then. <laughs> and so he showed up at 8 o'clock in the morning, walked into my office, says, okay, so what's going on here? He says, come on, you know why I'm here. Stop <laughs> messing around. And he said, I said, well, how do you want to do this? Well, you're the pastor, you tell me. It, it, and and by the way, the the vocal the inflection was exactly as I've imitated yeah. it or re- repeated it here. And so I, I said, okay, I'll pray a line, you pray a line, I'll pray a line, you pray. And he did. And we walked through and he prayed a, a sinner's prayer and looked up and said, okay, thank you. And uh, said, I got to go back to work. Okay, See you. Do you think, because we're saved by faith, right? And the guy obviously believed. Yes. And yet hadn't said the sinner's prayer. Right. So do you think it's possible that somewhere along the line, this guy's name was written in the book of life and and he just didn't know how to articulate that or he didn't know how to be a Baptist and do that? Well, we know that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life from the from the foundation of the earth. Right. So we, we do believe that text. So that obviously is part of our theology but when we actually actualize that in our lives and, mm-hmm. and at what point was it at the point that he prayed the sinner's prayer or, you know, prior to that when he actually made the decision, you know, it's time for me to, to, to cross the line as it were. Do you think that's what baptism is meant to do? I think baptism is a huge statement of our public declaration that we are truly a follower of Christ. And it is like back in, back in the, in the first century, I remember reading one of my uh, colleagues' papers, and he wrote, the first century church did not know of an unbaptized believer. Mm-hmm. 
that was the, yeah, like that's what was repent and be baptized, right? And so if they, if you said that you were a believer and refused to get baptized, right, they would look at you and say, mm, not sure about this. So your guy, what would you have done if he had said to you, uh, Pastor Dave, I want to be baptized? Would you have said, well, first things first, you need to say the sinner's prayer, or, or would you have seen that as him wanting to proclaim a faith that he must obviously have? Well, I would have asked him. I would have said, okay, uh, you know, it's, tell me a bit about how you think that you've come across mm-hmm. the line from unbelief to belief. Right. And let him tell me what that is and whether it was going to be in a sinner's prayer that he needed to pray or whether a quiet moment in his own life when he in some way, shape, or form embraced the faith, then I would, sure, by all means, yeah. have, him, have baptized him. I'm thinking Acts 10 when Peter's preaching the gospel and everyone's just listening. They're not saying anything, and all of a sudden, the obvious sign of conversion is on them. They yeah. speak with uh, the utterance from the Holy Spirit. No sinner's prayer, right? Well, and, I, you know, in many ways, a sinner's prayer is a fairly modern uh, approach to things. Like, nowhere in the Bible does it say that we are to pray to receive Jesus into right. our hearts. It says, believe and repent, or repent and believe, yeah. and what. Ever that looks like. Uh, I, I'm, you know, again, in Acts, many of the priests believed. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what did that look like? Not All the right? sinner's prayer. I don't think so. Yeah. No, the sinner's prayer is a Billy Graham. It's uh, not a bad thing. It, no, it helps no. articulate what is in someone's heart. But I think we need to be be aware that people come into the into the faith in different ways. And uh, again, I have to illustrate it. Um, you know, I, door-to-door evangelism, somebody prays to receive Christ at that moment, praise God, you know, that's wonderful. Uh, the relationship building and over time, and then we get the opportunity to lead them to faith in Christ, uh, whether we call that pre-evangelism or discipleship or pre-discipleship. But then um, I'll never forget in, 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 in university, in my university days, mm-hmm. on, my, on the executive, uh, I was part of it, and there was a, a fellow student, a female fellow student, who, when we went around the room to, ran around the circle to tell everybody else how we came to faith in Christ, you know, and this little Baptist boy, I, when I was seven years old, I prayed with my father and my sister and received Christ and that kind of stuff, the typical thing you would look for, and that's what I said. And when it came to her, she said, I've always been a Christian. I've never not been a Christian. And I, I remember this little Baptist boy just went, what? Come yeah. on, this is, there's got to be a point in time when you cross the line says, no, I was raised in a Christian home. I've never not believed. And, uh, and you know, and, and the point was, I still, I, I, I still know her and know, where, know who she is. And she has been a faithful servant of Christ in an international setting. She went on and did theological education. She, she serves the Lord today. And, right. But I, she could not articulate a moment when she came to faith in Christ. Now, her name written in the Lamb's Book of Life since the foundation of the world. At some point, I guess, in her world and life, she cr- crossed the line, as it were. But And that would have been baptism, maybe, for her. Perhaps, yeah. Perhaps baptism was a moment that she kind of came out, as it were, mm-hmm. as a true follower of Christ. Because she was born in sin, right? Yeah. We just, yeah. Just say and that. She would admit that. So. Um, so somewhere along the line, in an, almost an unconscious way, as a child yeah. or young adult, she's 
because of her saving faith, she was regenerate and yep. just maybe didn't have the theological terms to express it. Or even knowledge of a moment in time when that actually right, happened. Right, And I think that's, that's my experience. I just don't remember a time when I was a sinner, not in the classic sense. Yeah. I've, got, I've got enough sin, but uh, I grew up with it. Always singing the songs that um, I believed. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus loves me, this mm-hmm. I know, and I, I believed all that. And But over many times, I would say the sinner's prayer, yeah. like so many of us did, yes. because that's what you're supposed to do. Did it work? I don't know. Maybe I'll do it again. So I was baptized twice, I mean, <laughs> just because of that thinking. But God knows when I crossed over, and that's all that matters. And the, the proof of that is endurance, you know, well, continuing. And, and, and I think it was John Golden Gay that said somewhere in, in, in a, something I read, he says, we need to, evan- need to be evangelized every day. I thought, wow, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Perseverance is saying every day I'm still there. Today. I'm still in the faith. I'm following Jesus. I'm following Jesus yeah. today. And um, I'm embracing the kingdom. I'm embracing who Jesus is and the nature of the kingdom. And it's something that I do every day. It's, it's never a one and done thing. Okay. So right? door-to-door evangelism, um, is, it, is it good for something? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Lots of people can tell of their conversion at a, at a door-to-door as, as on, on, you know, it just seems so un, unrealistic, but... The Spirit can use some really interesting yeah. ways to bring people into the kingdom. Right. You know, I was just thinking about that, and the doorbell rang. Yes. I'm so glad you showed up. Yes. That can happen. Absolutely. It doesn't happen a lot, but if in one in 50 it happens... One in a thousand it happens. Yeah. I mean, yeah, by all means. So I don't think we need to be put, putting limitations. So when we see do people doing door-to-door evangelism and they have a passion for it, great, go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's wonderful. Yeah, because even the people who say, I don't have time for that, they'll never forget someone showed up at my door and prompted me to think about my soul. And uh, that happens enough times, and maybe that's the cultivating of the soil. Well, certainly Jehovah's Witnesses know that it works or for whatever's motivating them to do what they're doing. I don't see them too much lately, by the way. I don't know if that's a COVID (laughs) thing. Well, Dave, we are out of time. I want to thank you for hurrying back from BAMP to join us in the studio. Uh, God bless you. Until next time. I'm Bob McGregor here with Dave Barker on Thinking About It, and thanks for joining us.